Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. You equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey Rush Nation, welcome to the centenary show. We've made it, it's a hundred shows, like all good batsmen, we're carrying on, looking for that double century in the studio with Murph Big Man. Welcome to the hundredth show, brother, how are you? Mate, this is crazy, a hundred shows, like... I remember when we did the 50th show in January and it really like, that felt like such a milestone. This has just snuck up so quick with all the, um, all the guests that we've had on. And it's just, it's just awesome to, to be here for, for 100. Crack on now onto the next hundred. Well, I remember the first as if it was about 15 years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just me and Murph today. <laughs> the four turtles are together. I can't even remember the names. Michelangelo, I'm, Raphael, Leonardo, and Donatello. Yeah, I know. Mm. I, was, I was get you ruined the joke. Oh, okay. Talking of jokes, this is no joke. <laughs> the guys over at Beer Me Now provided us with popcorn like yesterday. We said we'd mention how good it is, and hot damn, is it good popcorn? Yeah, retro <laughs> rhubarb and custard popcorn coated with crushed sweets, and it's rhubarb and custard. And it is as sharp as it sounds. Yeah, it really was. But was really, really good. Murph and I absolutely annihilate the pack. So. Yeah, another shout out to those boys over at beermenow.co.uk. The beer was good. 
the popcorn was equally as good. So if you keep sending that, lads, we would appreciate it. But if you use the code five yard rush in the promo box, you get half price off your first order. Twelve pound fifty for eight beers and a snack. It's like getting Kerry on Johnson in the fourth round of the Scott Fish Bowl. Yep, and do you know what? If you if you send us a tweet to say that you've ordered it, we'll try and do a little something for you as well. Well there you go. Rush Nation, you heard it at first. But it isn't just Murph and I. You've heard the tones coming from along the phone line. We're joined today by, well, I suppose co-hosts Rich and Stu. Rich, this is what, I don't know, your 29th pod with us now. How are you doing, man? I think it's 29th, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good. I'm happy to finally be back in my house now. Well, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And then on the other phone, Stuart, man, welcome. Second pod, how are you doing, I'm really good, guys, man. Absolutely delighted to be here, and I need some of this popcorn. What's going on? Well, we only got one bag, and seeing as you are what can only be described as too far to send it in the post away, we had to eat it. <laughs> well, I, I need to get hooked up with these guys and get selling it in my bar in Scotland now, because I've heard you crunching it for the last 10 minutes. It's amazing. <laughs> the, the beer is wicked as well. They've got some really like niche beers and stuff. It's really, really awesome stuff. So, uh, yeah, check out the guys at... At Beer Me Now. Um, like I said, half price subscription first off. And yeah, if you tweet us and you order it, we'll, uh, we'll supply you with a, a little something extra as well just to, just to help out. No doubt, no doubt. So guys, Rich, you've done a couple. Stu, this is your second. Quick highlight from each of you so far of Five Yard Rush. What do you think has been your favourite moment? I'll start with you, Stu. Um, favourite moment, Five Yard Rush. Um, listening to Scott Hanson and you guys. That was awesome. That yeah, was absolutely amazing having... Yeah, just listening to him was so good. Even having Iron Mike as well, listening to him, that was absolutely superb for you guys. So, I mean, I pretty much listen to your podcast every day, but those two were personal highlights for me. Marvellous. Well, we appreciate that. But seeing as you're now on the staff, you don't have to. We don't, we don't, you know, I know you love it, but I don't feel you have to. And then Rich, <laughs> hitting the 29th show, that's got to be a highlight for you. But otherwise, what do you think your highlight is so far, Five Yard? Um, I actually just... I've actually just really enjoyed chatting football with you two. I mean, I remember way back when I just had a tweet from from you guys asking me to come on, and since then it's just like just chatted more and more. And it's it's just it's just nice to talk to Brits about fancy football. Yeah, we feel you. We feel you. Well, we massively appreciate you both coming on board with what we're doing. You both are on brand. We feel that you fit the five yard badge, so we're grateful that you're going to give up some time for us. But Let's get on to today's show, Rush Nation. So today's show, everybody's heard of Snog, Marry, Avoid. Can't do that for fantasy football. It would be weird. Face masks would get in the way and all sorts. So we're doing Fantasy, Marry, Avoid, and it's inspired by Love Island, even though we're not going to touch on that whatsoever. It's going to be players that you fancy a piece of in your draft, some that you think you need all day long. That would be the Marry category, and then the Avoid are people you just don't want anything of. Yeah, so we just sort of thought... uh, Picking up players, you know, some have gone by positional group, some have just gone from names that you'll hear in the draft. And what we want to do is just give you a bit of a detailed background as to why we pick each of these players in that category. Um, and it'll give you some extra sort of food for thought when you're hitting your draft since it's now heavy draft season. Yep. So we're going to go around the horn, one each. Who do you fancy? Who do you want to marry? And who are you just straight up avoiding? I'm going to kick the party off. And I'm having a wide out party with mine. So my like is Christian Kirk. My marry is AJ Green and my avoid is Adam Thielen. 
Christian Kirk. So Cliff Kingsbury playing a spread formation pretty much exclusively or so he says, and the wideouts are expected to feast in Arizona. Larry Fitz is getting on. So at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury served as the play caller and had one of college's most explosive and productive offenses. I think he finished about top 10 in the country in all six seasons, which is pretty good if he can replicate that in the NFL. Top 20 nationally for total offense in all six seasons, finished top 25 scoring five times. Christian Kirk, I think, is expected to assume the number one role as Larry Fitz, as I mentioned, gets older. And in 12 games last year, Kirk had 43 receptions for 590 yards and three touchdowns. And he was supposed to be the slot guy coming out of college now. Larry Fitz is the slot guy there at the moment. But if Kirk can usurp Fitz as the one playing the slot, if Kyler gets on the run like he's absolutely going to, he's going to dump the ball off. And who's going to be there? Christian Kirk. I think this is an attractive attractive place to draft him oh and did i mention his adp is currently 803 if you're going to get double the yards well nearly double the yards he had last year we're talking about 1100 yards maybe six touchdowns and 100 receptions count me in all day in the eighth round how do you boys feel about that yeah i I mean i've been buying shares of him i think he's a player who uh is has the potential to be on the rise his adp makes him a potential value if he lives up to 75% 75% of what you say he's going to do. So, well, well, you never know. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 can, I can subscribe to that for your, for your like, for sure. Nice. Right, Rich, I want your thoughts on AJ Green. He's my marry. I'm going to run through my story and you hit me with your thoughts. So AJ Green broke several, well, I'd say many hearts last year after going down after eight games with an injury. He was top five at his possession going into week nine, but like I said, got injured. If you need consistency, AJ's your man. If he plays more than 10 games, he's an absolute lock for 1,000 yards and between 6 and 11 touchdowns. Zach Taylor coming over from the Rams, that offense, if it gets anywhere near the Rams wide receivers with him, Boyd and Ross, could be fire. Sleeping on AJ Green at at his current ADP of 304 is, I think if you let him slide past that, you're a fool. And if you're going to grab him as your wide receiver one after locking in two stud running backs, it's just the bonus. So, you know, I think he wears my lucky number and any man who can wear tiger stripes on his shoulders every Sunday gets the seal of approval from me. Rich, how do you feel about it? I really like AJ Green this season. Um, I think that, you know, he's certainly, he's certainly really, really talented. I think that offense is pretty good. I think that um, the only question mark I would have is around the quarterback situation. So Andy Dalton is, is a perfectly fine quarterback, but you know, if, we, if, um, if they start, struggling at the start of the season are they going to be calls for the rookie to step in which case it could limit his ability but I mean I think you're you're drafting him at his absolute floor so I think it's a no-brainer draft pick for me perfect well I'm pleased I'm getting married to him in the wide receiver district (laughs) and then my final one is the avoid and that's Adam Thielen so Adam Thielen started the season last year with eight over 100 yard games and was on pace to break Megatron's. I think he holds it with Megatron now at eight and was on pace to beat it week nine. I think he had four receptions for 22 yards that week, so didn't get to week nine. And then uh, Filippo got the sack, and then Adam Thielen became pretty much irrelevant, had one game over 100 yards after that, and then just vanished on your fantasy team. I think people, if you managed to sell him midway through your season, you did an absolutely fantastic job. But who's selling someone who's leading the league after eight games in yards? 
His ADP is currently 307, and he's dropped down from 211 a month ago. I think in the Viking, there's so many good pieces in that Vikings team at the moment. You're going to go with the value, and that's Stefan Diggs, who's currently going at the 404. So for that reason, and the fact they want to run the ball an awful lot, I'm going to pick Diggs as the value as opposed to Thielen at the 307. That's why I'm all out on Adam Thielen this year. Anybody thoughts? Stu, how do you feel about that? Hello? Standing silence. I'll jump in. Um, so, so I think between Phelan and Diggs, I, I've always kind of had that that thought of I want the one who's not first. That makes sense. So, you know, the late, the later, the guy who's available later is the guy that I want because I think that at the end of the season they're probably going to be there or thereabouts. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think that they're going to try and run the ball more. Whether they actually end up doing that or not, I'm not sure, but. That's obviously their aim. So, yeah, I can see why you'd have avoid him. Nice. Right, Murph, you're next on deck, son. Where are you going with this? So, for me, I've picked three players here that have uh, not a lot in common, only in the sense that they all play in the AFC, or the NFC even. And um, I've gone with a selection of Dalvin Cook, Chris Godwin, and Matt Ryan. So, my like here is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin a year ago was the wide receiver four on a Buccaneers depth chart behind Evans, Jackson, and Humphreys. Now, with the latter of those two names have gone to Philadelphia and Tennessee, respectively, he's now the wide receiver two. Despite this last season, he still was a top 30 PPR wide receiver. So, you know, he's only got one way to go, and that's up. But why is he not a marry? It's purely down to his ADP. His ADP is currently a 58th which puts him at the 10th pick of the fifth round. In my eyes, that's his value. Like, that's where you you should be sort of looking at drafting him. And the problem I, I have with the reason he's a like and not a marry is people are going to reach to grab him. So people will go up higher than that. I think for me, that looking at what he's going to do under Arians this year with that, you know, slinging the rock, no, no risk it, no biscuit mentality – I, I see him getting like 75 catches for around about 970 yards, potential seven to eight touchdowns. So he had a week last – we had three top 18 weeks last year, including the uh, number one fantasy football wide receiver in week 17, which I know is a dump week, but there is still games going on. But Godwin is a massive potential uh, to break out, to get into that wide receiver two range, but he is not the one there. It's Mike Evans. So I'm happy to take him in that sort of ADP around 58, which is why he will appear on some of my rosters. But I do feel the secret is out on him and some people will grab him. If you really want Godwin on your roster, you're going to have to reach and and grab him. Thoughts? Yeah, I think for me, his ADP is going to probably get too high come draft season. I think there's players around him that are a little more established um, around like Especially if he makes it in, what did you say his ADP was currently? Uh, 58. Which is? 10th pick of the, of the fifth round. Okay. So, you know, I think if he keeps rising, he could get into the T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green sort of area. And at that point, I'm taking the two established guys over him. And I just, I'm just not sure that offense can support two wide receivers of second and third, fourth round ADP. I know that no risk it, no biscuit sort of thing, but. It worries me a little bit, but then, you know, like you said, he's he's now the wide receiver two in an Aryan system. Jameis clearly likes him, so 
Yeah. yeah, and it's not a big jump for him to go from 30 to 24. But I think if you're thinking he's going to be top 18, I think you're going to be severely disappointed. Uh, my marry is Matt Ryan. Um, so the NFL's MVP for 2016 finished number two 12 months ago in fantasy scoring for quarterbacks. He has topped 4,900 yards in two of the last three seasons, including throwing 35 touchdowns with only seven interceptions a year ago. Um, this year, he's going for his second MVP crown. He's going to be aided by Dirk Cutter, and we all know what his offenses are like. He's coming off a season where Tampa was a top five offense a year ago as a head coach, but now he's back as an OC. He's going to make sure that they're doing more um, with the ball, not to mention that he's also aided by the fact they're playing 13 games indoor this season. Um, he doesn't have many rookies to contend with as well. It's all established players except for on the offensive line, which has received heavy investment this year. I fancy, I fancy Ryan to finish with very similar numbers than he did a year ago, maybe even building in a slight regression. But given that the nature of the league, he's still going to be up there uh, knocking on the door of just short of 5,000 yards and moving up there in terms of number of touchdowns. But I still think he, he keeps his interceptions really low, which is what is going to allow him to jump above others and be a very productive quarterback and potentially reach into the top five this year. So whilst I'm looking for discounts in players, Matt Ryan is a player that I'd be targeting and adding to a lot of my rosters because I can sleep on the elite quarterbacks, get the next tier, which kicks off with Matt Ryan, and then that will allow me to go ahead and take uh, a more valued player in the round or two rounds before that, which effectively means I'm increasing my value in more than one roster spot. So that's why I'm targeting Matt Ryan in as many sort of leagues as I can, as long as the price doesn't go too high. No, that's fair. Rich, any thoughts on that? I just think <clears throat> that Falcons offense, you know, is going to have it's going to score points. Uh, Matt Ryan is a he's a great value. I mean, he, he's always been, you know, pretty good for for fantasy. I mean, if you've got Julio Jones, um, you're always going to have you know decent passing numbers. To to add to that, you know, you've obviously got um, Cam Ridley, uh, Devonta Freeman. You know, the, the, these guys they're all they're all impact players, and a lot, the guy that everyone always forgets about as well, Mohamed Sanu, who just helps move the chains means that he's on the field a lot. And yeah, the factor of him playing so many games indoors this season, I think as well, is huge because Matt always seems like he's much happier in a dome than outside. So yeah, I really like the pick. So that leads me to my avoid. My avoid is Dalvin Cook. To all you Dalvin Cook truthers. Yes, I am one of them. It's time for me to uh, share with you some truth. And I know that the truth is going to hurt, but stay with me. Dalvin Cook has only started 14 of the 32 games he's been under contract to suit up for. Uh, he has also appeared in one more on top of that. That means Dalvin Cook has only appeared or played in 47 of his team's games to date as a professional. Then we look at his injuries. He has a history of shoulder injuries, an ACL tear, and a history of multiple hamstring injuries. For a guy who requires his knees and hamstrings to provide agility and burst off the line, and his shoulders to avoid serious hits and protect the football, this is more than a casual worry. So if we're now drilling into Cook's uh, 2018 production, he finished last year in 11 games with a yards per game average of 55.9, and then with his receiving top up 27.7 yards, giving him a grand total of 83.6 yards per game. He had two touchdowns on the ground, two touchdowns in the air, which means he's getting a touchdown, one in just under every three games. So these sorts of numbers are really low-end RB2. Um, and 
entering a, a, you know, the NFL now in his third season and with an ADP of 13, it's just not good enough. We hear the word you know, potential banned around so much, but pr- production is just so much more meaningful. And for the ADP price of 13, if you're asking me there, who do I take, Dalvin Cook or Todd Gurley, knowing that Dalvin Cook has the higher injury risk, has a longer chain of injury history, and doesn't have the production that Gurley does, I don't understand how that is a conversation for people when you've got that decision of Gurley or Cook. And the amount of times I see Cook go above Gurley, it's actually frightening. So I don't understand the hype on – everyone talks about this sort of potential generational running back out of Florida State, but his college production was decent, but he had surgeries in high school to fix problems. This guy's body is starting to break down. He's getting to that age now where, you know, he may not have played, therefore he has got the tread on the tires, but he's got the injuries as if he's been playing in the league a lot longer than he has, and he is not going to make it past 30. So although you're saying five years, there is nothing that he has shown me in his time in the NFL that makes him worthy of that ADP of 13, and therefore I am just out on him full stop. Um, I don't really know where to go with this. I don't even know why I like Dalvin Cook. I genuinely have no idea. I don't follow college college football. I I don't know. I just seem to like him for some reason. And I think I like him because I drafted him in my original Dynasty League, and I still have him. And yeah, I got nothing to back up against your points, Murph. They're all valid. Rich, have you got anything else, or shall we move on to you? Um, Yeah, let's just move on. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the point is, People really like Dalvin Cook. If you if you listen to people, they really like Dalvin Cook. And I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I just I look at the data and I cannot see what people see. And I really want someone to at us at Twitter and just explain to me the love for Dalvin Cook that isn't I mean, that isn't just production. Like I want to see some production that is worthwhile taking into consideration as to why he should be, you know, the thirteenth player off the board. Okay, I mean, like, if you just want me to give me a quick, I'll just give you a quick counterpoint. So the reason why he's, he's loved so much is because if you watch, like, NFL Red Zone, you've seen him just break off, like, a 70-yard, 80-yard run. And so when people are looking at players, they just look at those and they just go, oh, wow, that's really exciting to watch. I mean, oh, that that is, like, a big thing. If he's a highlight reel player, then he's going to get a boost because people will just be a fan of the fact that he can break off massive plays. Yeah. Yeah. I understand all the durability issues, but like that that is why I think he's drafted so high. I mean, he's got a decent opportunity in, in um Minnesota and I think I just think that red zone factor can't be discounted. Yeah, it's fair. It's a fair point. Yeah. Right, Rich, your turn. Who are you liking? Who am I liking? So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the running back position. So uh I quite like Miles Sanders. Um everyone's uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up having him a lot, on my, a lot of my teams because it seems as though everyone else is starting to jump on this Miles Sanders bandwagon. But, I mean, the counterpoint everyone seems to always say to me and why he's maybe not a marriage is because uh, the, the Eagles haven't really given someone the reins to run the backfield. Um, you know, But then the talent they've had at the position would make me think that there's no one that they could have really given the the backfield to. I mean, if you look at the guys that have been going through there, you know, Corey Clement, uh, Wendell Smallwood. I mean, these, these aren't, these, these aren't talents by any, any stretch. Um, 
the thing that I like about him is the fact that they invested a deep, you know, decent amount of draft capital in him. And actually, Kansas City, which is the you know coaching tree that uh, Doug Peterson came from, actually do operate a workhorse running back. So I just wonder if he actually would be okay with running a workhorse and he's just not had that talent to do that with. And now he's got that. Um, I think at the moment he's been drafted in the seventh round. So, I mean, it, even if he ends up being a, um, in a committee, I think you're, you're getting him at a decent price because he's still going to be effective and a flex option. Um, so, yeah, I quite like that where he's been drafted right now. Yeah, no, I like it too. And I think even if it starts as a committee, like you say, there's a good chance by halfway through uh, second, last third of the season, Sanders is actually, like you say, the bell cow back there and owns the backfield. And he's definitely got the production from college to do so. Yes, he sat behind Barkley, but everybody was going to sit behind Barkley. And then when he was allowed to explode last year, he did exactly that. So I think, like you say, they do in Kansas City use a single running back. And if Peterson's given the running back to do so, why wouldn't he if that was the way he was taught? So I completely agree. Murph, any thoughts on that? No, I I get that 100%. I think that's, you know, it it makes sense. He's a guy that you definitely will appear on on some of my rosters for sure. Um, I really like him as a dynasty play. I just think that the only thing is to set the expectation. He's going to have a very slow start. So I think he's someone that is probably in the early weeks of the season going to not put up numbers and because he's still not quite hundred percent fit. But I think when sort of the, the business end of the, the season comes, I think he's one that really takes off and he could be primed to really assist in the playoffs. Rich wedding bells are ringing, mate. Who are you going to marry? I'm going to marry Lamar Miller. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I love Lamar Miller, but I also hate the fact that I love Lamar Miller. Um, I think I love him because, you know, at the moment he's been drafted in at the start of the sixth round. And at the start of the sixth round, you're starting to look at high value handcuffs and, you know, guys that don't have too much of an opportunity. Lamar Miller is currently the back in Houston. Like, 100%. I mean, I know they've got a foreman round, but he's just coming off that Achilles injury. Whether I think I personally think he will recover from it. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about Lamar Miller, who has, in the last couple of seasons, in the games he's played in, has been given 50% of all the rushes in, in that backfield. And that includes uh, Deshaun Watson running from the backfield as well. Um, as well as that, he is, you know, everyone seems to forget the fact that he can actually catch the ball as well. So in the past couple of seasons, he's scored seven touchdowns through the air over the last four seasons and 21 on the ground. He's always, the, the issue that he has is he's just not a, it, it's, it's kind of, he's kind of the anti Dalvin Cook. He hasn't got any of those highlight plays and so he suffers as a result he's just one of those guys who's just going to keep getting you know just a little bit up the field a little bit up the field and then he'll get a touchdown and I just really I I don't really know why but I do I do just love him at his current ADP yeah I think he could be I think people are sleeping on him a little bit too much and what he can provide you at that point could be a bargain and and if like even if it's just a flex position it's like you say, he's the starting running back. And Donta Foreman coming back from an Achilles, I'm not sure there's ever been a run, running back to come back from an Achilles injury. No, I mean, I, I think, so 
to to talk to that point, I think it no, there hasn't been, but I think that if there is one that's going to do it, it will be Foreman because typically when we've seen running backs with Achilles injuries, they've either been um, like a borderline guy anyway, in which case they're just cut or they're older, in which case they can't really recover from the injury. So I think Foreman actually might be the first running back to recover from an Achilles injury. And that's not, that's not to say that he's an amazing player. I, but I just think that given the situation that he's in, he'll be given the opportunity to. The fact that the Texans haven't cut him yet makes me think that they believe in his recovery from that injury. And you know, they, they've not added anything that makes me think that they're desperately worried about his health either. I mean, there's plenty of running backs that still haven't been signed that they could pick up if they were really concerned about him. Yeah, no doubt. So you're not avoiding uh, Donta Foreman. Who are you avoiding then? I'm avoiding Le'Veon Bell. Reason being... He, he, everyone seems to think that he's just going to be the same guy that's in the, that, you know, was available for the Steelers. And he, I really don't see, see that's going to happen. I mean, I think he'll be given the workload. I've got no concerns about that. I mean, they've, they've given him far, far too much money for, for them not to use him. But I just don't know if that workload's actually going to be as effective as, um, as he was in, in Pittsburgh. Um, I read a stat uh, earlier this week about um, the, the Steelers' offensive line, and they were able to give him. I think it was just under just under two yards. It might be like one one point four one one something like that before uh, contact, which really helps him in maintaining his averages of you know four four maybe five yards on average per per rush. The Jets are not going to be able to give him that time behind the the line. He's going to have to choose a gap and just try and get through it I think that as I say I think he'll get I think he'll get the workload I mean I'm currently projecting him to have 75% of the rushing market share but I just don't think that he's actually going to be that productive with it yeah that's fair I mean the good thing I suppose to counter that point is Bell is one of the most patient backs in the league so if a gap if he has to wait for a gap to, to open up possibly he's got the vision to see that but you know Pittsburgh have and had one of the best offensive lines in the league. So I'm not sure that the Jets, like you say, are going to be able to, to give him the cover he needs in the trenches. I, I just think that, and I think on top of the fact that I just don't trust Adam Gaze to get the most out of a backfield. He's never, ever shown you any confidence in the teams that he's put together that he has a scheme for running the football. When I put him and Dirk Cutter in that same echelon together, that they're just teams that or they're coaches that just don't seem to get the concept of how to run the ball efficiently and I feel that Bell's talent will shine through and he will get he will get the workload and he will put up excellent numbers through talent and just through sheer volume but I do feel that there's also just that clash that I, I can totally see one week that him and Gaze just have some sort of argument and all of a sudden it's all down to Elijah Maguire in the backfield. I can I can see that scenario happening. Or he just decides to pull Bell out of games. And I think the other thing is as well is I think this Jets team under Gaze in their first year are going to go through another transition. I don't think they win a lot of games. So third and fourth quarter production, I just think it's going to be questionable. And that's going to be the other piece that I'm, I would worry about. So I, I also am a, a big fader on, on Bell. <laughs> Well, that's fair enough. It's just that ADP. I mean, I think he's going to be very, very similar to how people felt about Adam uh, David Johnson. Sorry, they're just going to, 
you know, you've drafted him far, far too high, so you're going to have to play him, but he's just not going to give you value because he's not got that touchdown upside. I would take him in the tail end of the second. If he fell that low, I would. I that is where I'd have a conversation with myself and think, is he someone I would take here based on what goes on the board? And then that's where I think you can you can make that case. But yeah, as high as he is, no way. I'm also doing running backs. I would like to say that none of us knew who anybody was doing. So I know, Murph, you have one of my fades as well. But we can just double up on him and give him a damn good thrashing. How does that sound? Love that. Love a bit of double theming. Right. So my second batch of snog, marry, avoid, without the snogging, more fancying, is my fancy is on Johnson. He's our fourth round pick in the Scott Fishbowl. We absolutely love him. So as a rookie, Kerryon absolutely balled out in the games he played. He played 10 games, chalked up 641 yards on 118 carries. Tally that with 32 receptions for 213 yards, add four touchdowns. And as a rookie, behind a pretty average offensive line, that was good. Oh, and not to mention LeGarrette Blount was there stealing goal line carries and just carries in general. But head coach Matt Patricia has got rid of his best mate in LeGarrette Blount. And everything we've heard from Detroit is that Karen Johnson's going to be the guy. Yes, CJ Anderson's there, but let's be honest, CJ Anderson was a product of the Rams' offense more than his talent. CJ Anderson, you know, he got a thousand yards behind the Broncos, a dire offensive line. Yeah, I know that, but skill wise, Karen Johnson is the man. His current ADP is 309. I mean, if you've taken two wide receivers, like I mentioned before, in the first two rounds, and you need to put carry on in as your first wide res- uh, running back sorry I love it absolutely love it and I think in standard that's the play if you have taken two wide receivers I think I just I've also drafted him in my uh, dynasty startup last year so him and Dalvin Cook I'm not sure who I've got more love for but I like them both and I think carry on could have a breakout year this year if the Lions improve and I don't see why they wouldn't no I, I, I'm a big fan of his I think the the only thing that concerns me is that Detroit offense. Um, but one thing I do like is the fact that Patricia is coming from that Belichick school of coaching, that they, they do know how to run the football. Uh, they know how important it is to run the football. He's going to give Kerry on all the love. Um, so as long as he's fully healed from last season, uh, I think he's a go to have a very, very good season. Right. If you've got married somewhere nice and you think... I could get married there again should your first marriage fail. You know, I don't want that on anyone. But if the venue's good, I suggest James White's the man you go for. Now, last year, he was drafted 120th overall. That's, you know, 10th round in a 12-team league. My maths is really good. I know everybody's shouting at their earpieces now that 10, 12 is pretty easy to work out. That was 120th overall. But don't worry about that. He finished as a running back seven in PPR, seven. That's stupidly high considering you took him 120th overall. Finished at 11th in standard. This guy, you could have plugged him and played him every week and you drafted him in the 10th round. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yes, Gronk was there last year. That's only going to be better for him this year. There is no Gronk targets. Sure, Edelman's going to eat into a lot of those Gronk targets that are vacated, but with Edelman and White, the only two veterans that Brady sort of trusts, I think... His fantasy upside is brilliant. His current ADP is seventh round. I mean, that's just disrespect to how we finished last year, considering the situation he's now in. So if you're going to take uh, Carry on in the third and then James White in the seventh 
and fill up on tight end and wide receiver around these two, I don't think that's a bad pair to start your team with in PPR. Not so much Stan, we mentioned that yesterday, but in PPR, I think James White, absolute beast this year. Richie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, the reason why he's fallen is because everyone just has this assumption that you know, he was just almost too good last year and so everyone wants to fade him this year. But I think that I think you're right. I mean, Gronk's vacated quite a few targets there. Yes, Edelman will be taking some, but you're effectively looking at a wide receiver who rushes. That That's kind of how I view him. Well, so I do too. I like I'll put him where he's been drafted. <laughs> I think he's going to be a great value. Right then, on to my avoid. Nick Chubb, this guy's going to get double barrels from the five-yard studio. I'll let Murph, Murph do some talking on this in a little bit. But yes, this feels harsh to put him as an avoid. But it needs to be said, most of my leagues are PPR leagues. And Nick Chubb doesn't really catch the ball. He's only got eight games to make this his backfield and keep, until Kareem Hunt comes back. Everybody knows Kareem Hunt is an absolute beast. In 11 games last year, Hunt had 14 touchdowns, seven on the ground, seven through the air. And to think that they're not going to use that skill set when he comes back is absolutely ridiculous. You're going to be drafting Chubb in the second round. I mean, let's think about that for a second. You could take Nick Chubb, who might only play 10 games this season, or you can take Kelsey or Juju, who are starting at their position and are wide receiver and tight end ones, respectively. I just don't know how you can draft Chubb in the second round when Kareem Hunt is going to be back and is going to be fresh. They could absolutely pace Nick Chubb for eight games and then give, especially if they're in, if they're winning games, they just run him into the ground. If they're in playoff contention, they then turn around and say and hunt and say, right, there's your, you know, you're one of us now. Here's eight game band done. Here's the football. Go and be you. And if you add that to the already absolute fire Browns offense and just let Chubb sort of trudge the ball about, I just can't take him in the second round. I'm out. I'm all, I'm out all day. Yeah, I, I'm pretty similar to you. Obviously, I've got him as an avoid. Um, for me, you know, last season, all right, it was over sort of nine, ten games. He had 20 receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns. Don't expect that to greatly improve in the time he's going to be on the field this year. We mentioned the Kareem Hunt problem. You're drafting a guy in the second round who you know getting into the fantasy football playoffs, he's at best, he's a running back by committee candidate. And at worst, he is a bench player who's going to get the the occasional touch behind Kareem Hunt, who, as you say, is going to get a pasting. The third is, you sort of touched upon this, is, is the Todd Munkin offense. Now, Todd Munkin is an offensive coordinator. I know really well, watched a lot of his games when he was a Buccaneers OC last year. Um, now, you got to look at his lead back last year was Peyton Barber and he finishes the running back 26. I'm not saying that Nick Chubb is Peyton Barber. He's obviously a better player than Peyton Barber is. But what I'm saying is that Todd Munkin, with the way that he designs his offenses, is the ball is there to throw in the air. He will utilize. They went out and got OBJ to really unlock Baker Mayfield. They're going to sling this ball 30, 40, 50 times a game. You know, and, and that is not going to leave a ton of time for Nick Chubb to really get things going. Um, the only time I think he gets relevant is big leads, just to nurse the leads through and just to, to carry the rock. But they're in a tough division. I can't envision that many scenarios. They might win games, but I think they're going to win a lot of close games. And I think the closer the games get, or if they're coming from behind, I just think, again, I think Chubb is a fade. I, I still think he puts up a very good season. 
but I don't think he puts up elite fantasy football numbers. I, I, I have him at the back end of my RB2s. I think that is, is, is where he's going. And if you're getting him in the fourth round, fifth round, I'm okay with that. I think fine, because then you're buying his his potential upside and value. But you, you are buying him now at his ceiling, and I just do not see him being able to hold and maintain that. So he's a massive fade for me. Why don't you carry on, sir? All right, so I've got Zach Ertz, Adrian Peterson, and Albert Wilson. So I have got, for my like, I have got uh, Adrian Peterson. This is mental. And I know people are looking at me and hearing from me and go, what are you doing? He's th- <laughs> he's 34. And I understand he's 34. But last season, he rushed for over 1,000 yards, and he ranked as the 19th running back in fantasy football. He comes with an ADP of 109. So that's 11th round. So he's coming in with an ADP of the 11th round and he's coming off a 1,000-yard season. Now, Geis was out last year. He he is going to be back at some point. He's coming off a very serious injury. There's workout videos, but he didn't do much in OTAs. We don't know what he's going to do in the preseason. He's also never actually played a snap in the NFL. And I know running back is an easy position to 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 get a hold of pretty quickly and put position to all the other skill positions, but he's not had the same time that Adrian Peterson has had in that offense. And that's one to really consider. You've got on top of that, um, the fact that Geis is also going through a bit of a personal situation at the moment where his uh, young cousin uh, accidentally shot himself and killed himself. And that's, you know, We've got right now this situation where Geis is. There's no doubt he's a, he's he's a talent, but one of the big question marks and the reason why he fell from a first round grade to the third round was because of his mental. He didn't interview very well, and the front office at Washington clearly think that there is going to be some concern over Geis because they wouldn't have given Adrian Peterson another contract. And Adrian Peterson, in the twilight of his career, is not going to sit on a bench. He knows he's got one, maybe two years left in the NFL. He's not, he doesn't need to sit there and take a small contract and just sit on a bench. He's earned his money in the NFL. He is doing that because he genuinely believes he is going to get the opportunity to be the lead back. So I understand he's going to struggle to potentially get 1,000 yards this season. But for the ADP of 109, I'm taking the throw. Because there's no better running back you are going to get in that range. Everyone else you're picking up there is somebody else's handcuff or a potential breakout candidate like a Jalen Samuels who might just get some plays as sort of a satellite back. So the guy who's currently projected as the running back 45, I'm going to take him to potentially break into an RB3, maybe even an RB2 territory if he gets more and more game time. And there is a scenario where he can keep guys on the bench. He knows the offense. He has the relationship with the line, the relationship with, you know, the coaching already. And guys has been away from the facility. So I'm taking that dart throw in the, in the fact that I think Adrian Peterson stays relevant, especially in the early part of the season. I absolutely love it because I did not see it coming. <laughs> I, I can't like, disagree with any of the stats or the fact that nobody knows what Geis is until he actually takes to the gridiron. So, yeah. Rich, yeah. you got anything to add on that? I just, I'm, I'm really not sure if I want too much of, of Washington. Um, I just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. 
I don't know who the leading receiver is going to be, and that just makes me nervous. Um, I 100% get it because you know where, where he's being drafted, he has you know at the moment you project him to be the starter probably. So you're getting a starting running back super super late. I just don't know if I necessarily want to tie myself to him, but I 100% understand why you might. I think that's why he's a like and not a marry. I I will buy him at his ADP in leagues because why not? If it doesn't work, if if Geis comes out and has a breakout week one and Adrian Peterson is nothing, he's waiver wire fodder. And then he just go, I just get somebody else. Like he's, he's not for, for the running backs you're going to get in that range. The only running backs you're going to get are other people's handcuffs who you're going to sit on anyway. So I'd rather have a guy who I think could be productive week one or just at some point in the season than somebody else's handcuffs that I'm going to hold. Yeah, no, as I say, I understand it because where he's being drafted, it is super, super late. Um, I just don't know if I could pull the trigger myself. But Yeah. Oh, I'm not buying him everywhere for that reason. There is concerns over that offense and what it does. But I think it, he's worth sprinkling in some leagues just to see what you get. And if he, if he, if he turns out to, to pull out similar numbers to last year, then you've got an absolute steal. Talking, talking of sprinkling, Murph, throw that confetti, son. Who are you marrying? I am marrying Albert Wilson Jr. Of course you are. I, I, I've talked about him all summer. I absolutely love him. His ADP, he, he for me, is a buy everywhere. In fact, wherever I don't get him because someone has listened to me talk about him, it annoys me slightly. Um, but, I mean, he's going in the 12th round. I mean, and this discount is mostly due to his injury in week seven last season. He had a hip injury. But when he finished the season, he had the honor of finishing with the highest points per route run in 2018 with a little over uh, two fantasy points per route run which is just an incredible stat. So every time he took the field and made a run, it was worth two fantasy points effectively. Like that's how good it is. And it's mostly due to his, uh, his a dot being, uh, you know, 8.6. And then his yards per catch has always been really consistent. But last year he reached over 10 in his, in his yak, which is just incredible. Now he also doesn't have Danny Amendola there to fight with for targets, which he, had a little bit of that last year. So effectively that offense is Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and that's about it. So he's not really competing for anyone for targets. And then he's also received an upgrade because for the first few weeks of the season, he's going to have Fitzmagic throwing to him. And we all know what Fitzmagic can do on his day. He's a gunslinger. He just, just tosses the ball and he likes to dump off. And I think as well, Rosen, when Rosen eventually takes over, Robert Wilson in the slot, he's going to rely on this slot receiver a lot because yeah, he's a confident guy, but he's only used to seeing shadows just coming at him because that offensive line in Arizona last year was so bad. And I think just to get his rhythm and timing, I think Albert Wilson is a guy that can easily be a wide receiver two candidate and you're getting him in the 12th round. Like I buying him everywhere. Even if he's a wide receiver three, again, in the 12th round, I have him anywhere between the wide receiver 24 and the wide receiver 30 based. And that's putting in an injury discount for him in the fact that maybe he's not quite a go week one. But I just think he's an incredible talent. He did it at the Chiefs. He's just got all the right numbers and all the right categories. I just think he's he's one that can very, very easily put up big, big numbers and win you fantasy weeks on his own. Well, uh, considering you and I are sharing so many teams, which I have shares of Albert Wilson, I have nothing to add to this. Rich, any thoughts on Albert Wilson? I, I don't have concerns on Albert Wilson. I have concerns for the Dolphins because I don't 
actually know if they know what they're doing this season. I don't know if I I'm I don't know if they think well we're going to tank it and we're just going to have a great time and that's why we've got uh, Fitzpatrick or or if they're you know going to actually try and be competitive. That's the issue that I've got. If they go for the first option, then I'm not sure if he's going to be effective because I think it's just going to be you know Fitzpatrick standing in the pocket for about two seconds and then just thrown up for Kenny Stills or Devontae Parker just streaking downfield. That's that's my only concern. That's fair. It is. Again, 12th round. It's worth a throw. I think I think that I, I don't envision Fitzpatrick to last the season. I do think Rosen's going to get time because they'll want to evaluate him before their 2020 pick. I also think that the coach hasn't got the... Brian Flores doesn't have the luxury of just tanking. I, I think even if it's a, an agreed strategy, I don't think he has the luxury of, of a three-win season. I think he's going to have to go out there and show a little bit about why they've hired him. Even if it's agreed in, in the franchise, like at the end of the day, if the fans turn, they're not going to publicize this fact because they can't. I think he's going to have to go out there and show some improvements, and he's going to want to get stuff done. They've got a lot of draft capital over the next few years. So I think they're all right, knowing that they've got Rosen. I think they'd rather have Rosen work than Tank and get a QB. I think they'd rather buy other pieces, potentially, in the hopes that Rosen is what he was last year, which was a highly rated quarterback. So I guess we'll see what happens. This is why I love this part of the season. It's all uh, if and or maybes at the moment. Uh, Zach Ertz is your avoid. Zach Ertz is my avoid. Uh, Again, he had a, a phenomenal season. So... You're talking about a player who's coming off a 116 reception season for 1,163 yards and eight touchdowns. His best season before that was only 78 receptions. So you're buying him at his current ADP at his ceiling. I think I've mentioned this already. Um, they've added so many weapons. They didn't have a dominant running back last year, which is something they've rectified by bringing in Howard and Miles Sanders. They didn't have a lot of competition out wide. So they've got rid of Golden Tate but they've brought in Deshaun Jackson and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to compete for targets on the on the outside. So already you've got more competition, and then you've got Dallas Goddard, who they invested in heavily at tight end last year. So you've got two tight end sets that they'll run, but Dallas Goddard proved very efficient in the red zone. And I think that when it comes to this season, I think you're going to see some of that touchdown work go potentially, especially red zone work, go to Goddard. And I just don't see a route to where Zach Ertz is going to repeat his 2018 season. So I, there's going to be regression for me in all three categories. I'm thinking he goes to maybe somewhere in sort of around about the 84, 85 receptions for around about 850 yards and looking at maybe six to seven touchdowns, which is regression in all categories. So he just, for me, in the second round, even the third round, you're buying him at his ceiling. And I cannot see a route to where you get to that where you get to that number. So he's a fade because I just can't buy him, whereas I'd rather buy shares of OJ Howard, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. If I'm going to invest high draft capital in a tight end, I'm going to go and get the ones who I can see a path to them, if not retaining their numbers, but if not being able to offset regression. So like with Kittle, I don't see his, his yards, you know, his yards after catch just aren't sustainable but he only got five touchdowns last year. I can see an, an easy scenario where he drops two, 300 yards, but he gains five or six touchdowns and offsets the regression. Kittle or uh, Kelsey has got less to, to deal with if, if you know Hill's not in the offense. So I can see him 
potentially improving on his numbers or at least getting very close to where he was. I can't see that with, with Ertz. So for me, I have to fade him. I just, I will not buy a share of Zach Ertz this year in any league. I'm glad I did in the live league. I'll go in with the fourth. We talked about it yesterday. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, adding, like you say, Goddard's a red zone threat, adding uh, JJ to the mix. Uh, what's his name? Alshon Jeffrey. I think he'll probably be slightly better this year as well. And as we've seen, they use him in the in the red zone. I think that just takes away from the fact Ertz was too good last year for his position and they needed him. And I'm not sure they needed him as much this year or need him even this year. So I think you're right there. Right, Rich, it's time for your final like, Marion Avoid. You're going to close this show out. Hit us with your best shot. I'm going to go tight end because why not? Let's continue with the tight end trend. So my like is Jimmy Graham. Um, might be partly because I'm a Packers fan. I'm not sure, but I think that I think what we saw last season was Jimmy Graham just really, really struggling. I mean, to be fair, the, the Green Bay offense struggled as well. I think that yeah, a Jimmy Graham season is not 600 yards and two touchdowns. That's that's not normal. I mean, I know he had the injury with the broken thumb, and you know, there's the whole narrative of Aaron Rodgers never had an elite tight end to to use in the passing game. But I, I, th- I think the ultimate thing for me is that. Uh, McCarthy just couldn't seem to scheme to get him open, whereas I think Matt Lafleur can actually do that. So I think that you know I, I'm not saying he's going to be a top top tight end, but you can draft him in the 14th round. And is there a world in which I could see him being a top half tight end? Absolutely. So for me, that's that's a good guy. If I'm if I'm having to wait at tight end, that's a guy I'm probably going to be targeting. I don't think I own any. Actually, no, no, I don't. I dropped him. I said was thinking that I still owned him in my money league, but I don't. I dropped him because the cap hit was nominal. I don't own him anywhere, and I'm not sure I will. But I hear what you're saying, Murph. Any thoughts on Jimmy Graham? That is a hard no. <laughs> He's still in the league. Yeah, he is. And Rich <laughs> likes him. Um, no, listen. His ADP is practically nothing. So you pick a guy down there, and why not? I, I, I. I do think Jay Sternberger might take some work from him. I don't think it's going to be substantial, but I can see Sternberger getting in that offense and, and, and getting in some plays. That's that's about the only thing. But you know what? When you're buying a, a tight end that is practically free, I, I can't really put up an argument against it. Like, <laughs> even if you want to buy, like, I don't know. You, if you want to buy anyone at the late end of the draft, I, I generally couldn't make You want to buy Blaine Gabbert, I couldn't make an argument against it. Look, we're getting massively off topic. Blaine Gabbert's been dropped. It's been a little bit like Vegas today. Little White Chapel. There's been loads of weddings. Rich, it's the last one, mate. What are you saying? So after criticising the Washington offense, my my marry is going to be Jordan Reed. Reason being, like, this is, hear me out before before you jump down my throat because I understand that he has probably heard this and become injured. Um, but <laughs> his eardrums are now bleeding. <laughs> his eardrums are now bleeding. Just had notification on sleeper. <laughs> he's got the he's got the floppy toes. You know his feet don't work. But if this guy's on the field, then he is. You know he he could he could legitimately be one of the top tight ends. I mean, there was his his target share last season was over twenty percent of the games when he was playing. Obviously, I need to caveat that. But um, you don't get that target share at tight end outside of you know the, the elite guys that we were talking about earlier. So Kit, Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz. You just, don't, you just don't get that target share. 
Um, he's got red zone upside because obviously he's yeah he's he always has been effective in the red zone. The re- the th- the slight hesitation I do have is, as I said earlier, I'm not sure if that Washington offense is going to be that good. But you're talking about 14th round quarterback as well, and same as Jimmy Graham. I just think it's for me, it's the it's the target share that pushes him into being a marry rather than a like. Yeah, no, I'm on board, man. He's definitely the best receiving option over in Washington if fit, and that's not even close. I know Murph's little sleeper in Trey Quinn is is a good shout too, but like you say, Jordan Reed has top five upside if fit, so I'm all aboard it, and it's cheap. He's really cheap as well, so... I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I He is the sort of person that gets injured picking up the mail in the morning. So if you can wrap him in cotton wool, then yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think top five, I, I just I never see an outcome for him like that anymore. I just think those days are gone. But I can definitely see top eight, top nine. And even then, for what you're getting him and the, the value you're going to get from that is still going to be significant. So I, I buy it. Rich, you've got one final avoid. Make it count. So I know that Murph's going to come at me for this, but my avoid is Austin Hooper. The reason being, and the reason being that I, I just, for me, it's, it's just the opportunity. I don't think there's enough targets that mean that he's going to get enough to be that effective. I think Julio's going to be taking, you know, 30% of the targets. Cameron Ridley, maybe another 20. Sanu will get. 10 to 15 Freeman will get you know when you start carving up the pie there's not that much left for him and I think that the you know a lot of people I'm I'm seeing on Twitter uh saying that he's you know he's got this great touchdown upside in the red zone and he's going to get a lot of usage and I can see a world where that happens but when I was going through my projections I just I just didn't see it being as probable just just purely because of the number of players that are in that offense that need to be fed. I, I, I disagree with you on, on so many levels. I just think, one, you're talking about a, a top 10 offense in the NFL, for sure. Then you're talking about bringing a offensive coordinator who, in the last three seasons as a head coach, his offense has led the NFL in touchdowns for tight ends. Then you've got his age, 25. It's the perfect age for a tight end breakout. And then last, if nothing else, last season, he was the tight end six with exactly the same problem. So in, his situation has not changed and he was the tight end six last year. So the fact that he has regressed now in ADP, that he is the tight end 15, makes no sense to me. Like, I do not understand how you can take a guy's production last year and then basically just throw it out of the window and the guys going above him have done nothing in the league to even suggest that they're capable of what they're pulling out. That's, that's what I don't understand. Like if you were saying he's someone that I can see falling from six to seven or eight, I'd have gone like, yeah, okay, maybe even nine, but to 15. I mean, he's going off the board so late that it's just, I don't know how you can avoid him. Like you must want to have some share of him because even if he produces at the same numbers last year and becomes a tight end six, you've just massively like jumped the value of the position so much because you're getting him. What's he going about round? His ADP is wild because he goes undrafted in so many like 16 round leagues. So yeah, I mean, like, as I said, like the, the issue that I have is I don't know. 
I'm, when I'm talking percentages, I actually think that the number of passing plays that the Falcons actually have this season actually comes down quite a lot because the reason why he was able to get so many targets and everyone got the same number of targets, you know, and everyone got, um, you know, relatively similar percentage terms. That's what I'm, that's what I was talking about earlier. I just think that the overall number of pass attempts comes down with the Falcons off uh, defense improving just through health rather than anything. So I don't think they're going to be in a position where they're having to pat Matt Ice on, on the back and say, you got to go and score a touchdown here and air it out. And that that's ultimately why I think that I don't, I don't see the same narrative um, as other people have. Now, I know that he's been he's been drafted in the thirteenth round, so I know that's super super late. But I just don't know if I really fancy him. I think he'll be a streaming option, but I mean, I'm when I'm draft, drafting a Titan th- that late, I'm typically going to be looking for a guy who can have like real kind of. I could see a world where they're going to be a top five tight end, top six that that kind of range. Um, I'm not really going to be looking for just a, a streamer for one week or two. And I think that's kind of where I'm putting putting him at the moment. Now that could change, but that's kind of where I've ranked him at the moment. Yeah, no, look, I can see both sides of this argument. They've improved their offensive line. Devonta Freeman's back. They couldn't end up running the ball a hell of a lot. But then, like Murph says, Hooper's basically free. So as a dart throw with the possibility of top six, top five upside, I, I don't hate either side. And, and that's what makes fantasy football brilliant. Yeah. Everybody has their own take. So I think just to quickly summarize this, again, I go back to coaching. Coaching matters. Coaching decisions matter. Dirk Cutter does not know how to run the football. Like he, he just doesn't. In three years of running an offense, he had absolutely no production at the wide receiver, uh, the running back position. And um, he's not had anyone as talented as, as Devonta Freeman. And I understand that and appreciate that Devonta Freeman will bring an element of skill to the position that he's probably not had. But having said that, he will use him a lot more in the passing game and he will get touches and he'll command touches. And there are, you've got Sanu and all these sort of gadget players around who will get them. But the one thing that Dirk Cutter, when he gets into the red zone, he targets tight ends. Like if nothing else, I can see an easy route where Hooper gets anywhere between six and nine touchdowns this year. And for a guy that low, I can't see anyone at that half of the field that's going to get those kind of touchdowns. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, fantasy football. It's why everyone loves it, because everybody has a different take. Right, Rush Nation, we all do have a final one, but we should probably save that for an article on the website. I would like to, to like Rich said, caveat that with that. Mine is on the NFL mascots. So if you fancy some humor, go and have a read of my latest article. Well, our latest article and my bit on mascots is in there. Also, don't forget to go over and check out the crew at beermeanow.co.uk. Type in the promo code 5YardRush for half-price beer subscription for your first order. And they throw in a snack as well, so can't say fairer than that. We enjoyed it this week. We'll enjoy it next week and for weeks to come. Rich, thank you so much for jumping on, mate. Appreciate your time. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at RichKingFF. That's it. Pretty simple. Nice and easy to remember that one, Rush Nation. Right. Unfortunately, Stu had to jump off because technical issues. he had technical issues. But he will be back. Don't you worry, Rush Nation. Murph, this has been an absolute hoot, mate. I absolutely love recording this podcast. I'm blessed. We are blessed. Yeah. Amazing, Mike. It's just uh, love doing this. Love the fact that people listen and interact with us so well. Keep listening out for the listener leagues. 
um, we did promise that we would draw the books for. We did, you're right. But we are too short on time, so we will. How about we just do a short? We'll do something this week to to get those out because no people are patient. We don't want to fade this. Like we want to get you out to your ASAP. So, um, yeah, we we will we'll figure a way to announce it ASAP, and we'll get it out in the next sort of twenty four by Friday. We will announce the winner. So, apologies if you this Tuesday's problem. We said we'd do this, but um, with all the technical difficulties and everything, time's just got far too away from us. So, we will get it out ASAP. One hundred percent, Rich. This has been a pleasure, Stu. If you're listening. Sorry you couldn't make it, mate, but like I said, you will be back. Murph, see you soon, big man. And as always, Rush Nation, until next week, keep rushing. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.